Good evening, and welcome to the Sleep with Josh podcast. It's the podcast where you sleep with Josh. I am comedian Josh Yang, and every episode I read various pieces of literature in my trademark monotone voice to help you drift off to sleep. Literature like the dictionary, laws, various manuals, the different terms of services that everyone agrees to but never really reads, and other random boring ideas. In honor of the recent passing of Supreme Court Justice and American feminist icon Ruth Bader Ginsburg, affectionately called the Notorious RBG by her supporters and fans, myself included, I will be reading the landmark women's rights majority opinion for the Supreme Court case, United States v. Virginia, from 1996, of which was authored by RBG herself. In this opinion, the Virginia Military Institute was the last all-male public undergraduate college or university in the country which barred entrance for female students. The United States government therefore filed a suit against VMI and the Commonwealth of Virginia, arguing that the VMI violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. This is just one of many influential Supreme Court opinions and dissents that the notorious RBG penned in her 27 years on the highest court in the United States. Upon confirmation to the Supreme Court in 1993, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was only the second female judge confirmed for the bench and was revered for her fight for women's rights throughout her career. Now sit back and relax. Close your eyes. Because you'll get tired and inspired by this episode of the podcast. Guaranteed. United States, Petitioner 94-1941, v. Virginia, et al., Virginia, et al., Petitioners 94-2107, on writs of certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, June 26, 19. 
1896. Justice Ginsburg delivered the opinion of the court. Founded in 1839, VMI is today the sole single-sex school among Virginia's 15 public institutions of higher learning. VMI's distinctive mission is to produce, quote-unquote, citizen soldiers, men prepared for leadership in civilian life and in military service. VMI pursues this mission through pervasive training of a kind not available anywhere else in Virginia. Assigning prime place to character development, VMI uses an quote-unquote adversative method modeled on English public schools and once characteristic of military instruction. VMI constantly endeavors to instill physical and mental discipline in its cadets and impart to them a strong moral code. The school's graduates leave VMI with heightened comprehension of their capacity to deal with duress and stress, and a large sense of accomplishment for completing the hazardous course. VMI has notably succeeded in its mission to produce leaders. Among its alumni are military generals, members of Congress, and business executives. The school's alumni overwhelmingly perceive that their VMI training helped them to realize their personal goals. VMI's endowment reflects the loyalty of its graduates. VMI has the largest per-student endowment of all undergraduate institutions in the nation. Neither the goal of producing citizen soldiers nor VMI's implementing methodology is inherently unsuitable to women, and the school's impressive record in producing leaders has made admission desirable to some women. Nevertheless, Virginia has elected to preserve exclusively for men the advantages and opportunities a VMI education affords. From its establishment in 1839, as one of the nation's first state military colleges, see 1839 VA Chapter 20, VMI has remained financially supported by Virginia and, quote-unquote, subject to the control of the Virginia General Assembly, VA Code and subsection 23292 from 1993. First Southern College to teach engineering and industrial chemistry. There are more references to other pieces of examples that, for the interest of conciseness, I'm going to periodically edit out as I read and focus on the main text. To repeat, First Southern College to teach engineering and industrial chemistry. VMI once provided teachers 
for the state's schools. Civil war strife threatened the school's vitality, but a resourceful superintendent regained legislative support by highlighting, quote, VMI's great potential through its technical know-how, end quote, to advance Virginia's post-war recovery. VMI today enrolls about 1,300 men as cadets. Its academic offerings in the liberal arts, sciences, and engineering are also available at other public colleges and universities in Virginia. But VMI's mission is special. It is the mission of the school, quote, to produce educated and honorable men prepared for the varied work of civil life, imbued with love of learning, confident in the functions and attitudes of leadership, possessing a high sense of public service, advocates of the American democracy and free enterprise system, and ready as citizen soldiers to defend their country in time of national peril. Quoting Mission Study Committee of the VMI Board of Visitors Report, May 16, 1986. In contrast to the Federal Service Academies, institutions maintained, quote, to prepare cadets for career service in the armed forces, end quote. VMI's program, quote, is directed at preparation for both military and civilian life, end quote. Quote, only about 15% of VMI's cadets enter career military service, end quote. From 766F SUP at 1432. VMI produces its, quote, citizen soldiers through, quote, an adversative, adversative, or doubting model of education, end quote, which features, quote, physical rigor, mental stress, absolute equality of treatment, absence of privacy, minute regulation of behavior, and indoctrination in desirable values, end quote. As one commandant of cadets described it, the adversative method, quote, dissects the young student, end quote, and makes him aware of his, quote, limits and capabilities, so that he knows, quote, how far he can go with his anger, how much he can take under stress, exactly what he can do when he is physically exhausted, end quote. Quoting Colonel N. Bissell, VMI cadets live in Spartan barracks where surveillance is constant and privacy non-existent. They wear uniforms, eat together in the mess hall, and regularly participate in drills. Entering students are incessantly exposed to the rat line, quote, an extreme form of the aversative model, end quote comparable in intensity to Marine Corps boot camp. Tormenting and punishing 
the rat line bonds new cadets to their fellow sufferers. And when they have completed the seven-month experience to their former tormentors. VMI's, quote, adversative model is further characterized by a hierarchical, quote, class system of privileges and responsibilities, a, quote, dyke system for assigning a senior class mentor to each entering class, quote, rat and a stringently enforced, quote, honor code, which prescribes that a cadet, quote, does not lie, cheat, steal, nor tolerate those who do, end quote. VMI attracts some applicants because of its reputation as an extraordinarily challenging military school, and, quote, because its alumni are exceptionally close to the school, end quote. Quote, women have no opportunity anywhere to gain the benefits of the system of education at VMI, end quote. In 1990, prompted by a complaint filed with the Attorney General by a female high school student seeking admission to VMI, the United States sued the Commonwealth of Virginia and VMI, alleging that VMI's exclusively male admission policy violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Trial of the action consumed six days and involved an array of expert witnesses on each side. In the two years preceding the lawsuit, the district court noted VMI had received inquiries from 347 women, but had responded to none of them. Quote, some women, at least, the court said, would want to attend the school if they had the opportunity. End quote. The court further recognized that, with recruitment, VMI could, quote, achieve at least 10% female enrollment a sufficient critical mass to provide the female cadets with a positive educational experience, end quote. And it was also established that, quote, some women are capable of all of the individual activities required of VMI cadets, end quote. In addition, experts agreed that if VMI admitted women, quote, the VMI ROTC program, would become a better training program from the perspective of the armed forces because it would provide training in dealing with a mixed gender army." End quote. The district court reasoned that education in quote, a single gender environment, be it male or female, end quote, yields substantial benefits. VMI's school for men brought diversity to an otherwise co-educational Virginia system, and that diversity was, quote, enhanced by VMI's unique method of instruction, end quote. If single-gender education for males ranks as an important governmental objective, it becomes obvious, the district court concluded, that the only means of achieving the objective, quote, is to exclude women 
from the all-male institution, VMI, end quote. Quote, women are indeed denied a unique educational opportunity that is available only at VMI, end quote, the district court acknowledged. But, quote, VMI's single-sex status would be lost, and some aspects of the school's distinctive method would be altered, end quote, if women were admitted. Quote, allowance for personal privacy would have to be made. Physical education requirements would have to be altered, at least for women, end quote. The adversative environment could not survive unmodified. Thus, quote, sufficient constitutional justification had been shown, the district court held, quote, for continuing VMI's single-sex policy, end quote. The Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit disagreed and vacated the district court's judgment. The appellate court held, quote, the Commonwealth of Virginia has not advanced any state policy by which it can justify its determination under an announced policy of diversity to afford VMI's unique type of program to men and not to women. The appeals court greeted with skepticism Virginia's assertion that it offers single-sex education at VMI as a facet of the state's overarching and undisputed policy to advance, quote, autonomy and diversity. The court underscored Virginia's non-discrimination commitment, quote, it is extremely important that colleges and universities deal with faculty, staff, and students without regard to sex, race, or ethnic origin. That statement, in quotes, the Court of Appeals said, is the only explicit one that we have found in the record in which the Commonwealth has expressed itself with respect to gender distinctions, end quote. Furthermore, the state had supplied, quote, no explanation for the movement away from single-sex education in Virginia by public colleges and universities, end quote. In short, the court concluded, quote, a policy of diversity which aims to provide an array of educational opportunities, including single-gender institutions, must do more than favor one gender, end quote. The parties agreed that, quote, some women can meet the physical standards now imposed on men, end quote. And the court was satisfied that, quote, neither the goal of producing citizen soldiers nor VMI's implementing methodology is inherently unsuitable to women, end quote. The Court of Appeals, however, accepted the district court's finding that, quote, at least these three aspects of VMI's program, physical training, the absence of privacy, and the aversative approach, would be materially affected by coeducation. end quote. Remanding the case, the appeals court assigned to Virginia in the first instance, 
responsibility for selecting a remedial course. The court suggested these options for the state. Admit women to VMI. Establish parallel instructions or programs. Or abandon state support. Leaving VMI free to pursue its policies as a private institution. In May 1993, this court denied certiorari. See also I bid. Opinion of Scalia J. Noting the interlocutory posture of the litigation. In response to the Fourth Circuit's ruling, Virginia proposed a parallel program for women. Virginia's Women's Institute for Leadership, or VWIL. The four-year state-sponsored undergraduate program would be located at Mary Baldwin College, a private liberal arts school for women, and would be open initially to about 25 to 30 students. Although V. Will would share VMI's mission to produce, quote, citizen soldiers, the V. Will program would differ, as does Mary Baldwin College, from VMI in academic offerings, methods of education, and financial resources. The average combined SAT score of entrance at Mary Baldwin is about 100 points lower than the score for VMI freshmen. Mary Baldwin's faculty holds, quote, significantly fewer PhDs than the faculty at VMI, end quote and receives significantly lower salaries. While VMI offers degrees in liberal arts, the sciences, and engineering, Mary Baldwin, at the time of trial, offered only Bachelor of Arts degrees. A VWIL student seeking to earn an engineering degree could gain one, without public support, by attending Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, for two years paying the required private tuition. Experts in educating women at the college level composed the task force charged with designing the VWIL program. Task force members were drawn from Mary Baldwin's own faculty and staff, training its attention on methods of instruction appropriate for, quote, most women, the task force determined that a military model would be, quote, wholly inappropriate for VWIL. VWIL students would participate in ROTC programs and a newly established, quote, largely ceremonial Virginia Corps of Cadets, but the VWIL House would not have a military format, and VWIL would not require its students to eat meals together, or to wear uniforms during the school day. In lieu of VMI's adversative method, the VWIL task force favored, quote, a cooperative method which reinforces self-esteem, end quote. In addition to the standard Bachelor of Arts program offered at Mary Baldwin, VWIL students would take courses in leadership, 
Complete an off-campus leadership externship. Participate in community service projects and assist in arranging a speaker series. Virginia represented that it will provide equal financial support for in-state VWIL students and VMI cadets. And the VMI Foundation agreed to supply a $5.4625 million endowment for the VWIL program. Mary Baldwin's own endowment is about $19 million. VMI's is $131 million. Mary Baldwin will add $35 million to its endowment based on future commitments. VMI will add $220 million. The VMI Alumni Association has developed a network of employers interested in hiring VMI graduates. The association has agreed to open its network to VWIL graduates, but those graduates will not have the advantage afforded by a VMI degree. Virginia returned to the district court seeking approval of its proposed remedial plan, and the court decided the plan met the requirements of the Equal Protection Clause. The district court again acknowledged evidentiary support for these determinations. Quote, the VMI methodology could be used to educate women and, in fact, some women may prefer the VMI methodology to the VWIL methodology. But the quote, controlling legal principles, end quote, the district court decided, quote, do not require the Commonwealth to provide a mirror image VMI for women, end quote. The court anticipated that the two schools would, quote, achieve substantially similar outcomes, end quote. It concluded, quote, if VMI marches to the beat of a drum, then Mary Baldwin marches to the melody of a fife, and when the march is over, both will have arrived at the same destination, end quote. A divided court of appeals affirmed the district court's judgment. This time, the appellate court determined to give, quote, greater scrutiny to the selection of means than to the state's proffered objective, end quote. The official objective or purpose, the court said, should be reviewed differentially. Respect for the, quote, legislative will, end quote, the court reasoned, meant that the judiciary should take a, quote, cautious approach inquiring into the, quote, legitimacy of the governmental objective and refusing approval for any purpose revealed to be, quote, pernicious. Quote, providing the option of a single gender college education may be considered a legitimate and important aspect of a public system of higher education, end quote, the appeals court observed. That objective, the court added, is, quote, not pernicious. Moreover, the court continued, the adversative method, vital to a VMI education, 
quote, has never been tolerated in a sexually heterogeneous environment, end quote. The method itself, quote, was not designed to exclude women, end quote. The court noted, but women could not be accommodated in the VMI program, the court believed, for female participation in VMI's adversative training, quote, would destroy any sense of decency that still permeates the relationship between the sexes, end quote. Having determined, deferentially, the legitimacy of Virginia's purpose, the court considered the question of means, exclusion of, quote, men at Mary Baldwin College and women at VMI, end quote, the court said, was essential to Virginia's purpose. For without such exclusion, the state could not, quote, accomplish its objective of providing single-gender education, end quote. The court recognized that, as it analyzed the case, means merged into end, and the merger risked, quote, bypassing any equal protection scrutiny, end quote. The court therefore added another inquiry, a decisive test it called, quote, substantive comparability, end quote. The key question, the court said, was whether men at VMI and women at VWill would obtain, quote, substantively comparable benefits at their institution or through other means offered by the state, end quote. Although the appeals court recognized that the VWill degree, quote, lacks the historical benefit and prestige, end quote, of a VMI degree, it nevertheless found the educational opportunities at the two schools, quote, sufficiently comparable. Senior Circuit Judge Phillips dissented. The court, in his judgment, had not held Virginia to the burden of showing an, quote, exceedingly persuasive justification for the state's actions. In Judge Phillips' view, the court had accepted, quote, rationalizations compelled by the exigencies of this litigation, end quote, and had not confronted the state's, quote, actual overriding purpose, end quote. That purpose, Judge Phillips said, was clear from the historical record. It was, quote, not to create a new type of educational opportunity for women, nor to further diversify the Commonwealth's higher education system, but was simply to allow VMI to continue to exclude women in order to preserve its historic character and mission." End quote. Judge Phillips suggested that the state would satisfy the Constitution's equal protection requirement if it, quote, simultaneously opened single-gender undergraduate institutions, having substantially comparable curricular and extracurricular programs, funding, physical plant, administration and support services, and faculty and library resources." End quote. But he thought it evident that the proposed V-Will program, in comparison to VMI, fell, quote, far short from providing substantially equal tangible 
and intangible educational benefits to men and women. End quote. The Fourth Circuit denied rehearing on Bonk. Circuit Judge Motts, joined by Circuit Judges Hall, Murnahan, and Michael, filed a dissenting opinion. Judge Motts agreed with Judge Phillips that Virginia had not shown an, quote, exceedingly persuasive justification for the disparate opportunities the state supported. She asked, quote, how can a degree from a yet-to-be-implemented supplemental program at Mary Baldwin be held, quote, substantively comparable to a degree from a venerable Virginia military institution that was established more than 150 years ago, end quote. Quote, women need not be guaranteed equal results, Judge Mott said. But the Equal Protection Clause does require equal opportunity, and that opportunity is being denied here. End quote. The cross petitions in this case present two ultimate issues. First, does Virginia's exclusion of women from the educational opportunities provided by VMI, extraordinary opportunities for military training, and civilian leadership development denied to women, quote, capable of all of the individual activities required of VMI cadets, end quote. The equal protection of the laws guaranteed by the 14th Amendment. Second, if VMI's unique situation as Virginia's sole single-sex public institution of higher education offends the Constitution's equal protection principle what is the remedial requirement? We note, once again, the core instruction of this court's path-marking decisions in J.E.B. v. Alabama and Mississippi University for Women, parties who seek to defend gender-based government action must demonstrate an, quote, exceedingly persuasive justification end quote, for that action. Today's skeptical scrutiny of official action denying rights or opportunities based on sex responds to volumes of history. As a plurality of this court acknowledged a generation ago, quote, our nation has had a long and unfortunate history of sex discrimination, end quote in Frontiero v. Richardson in 1973. Through a century plus three decades and more of that history, women did not count among voters composing, quote, we the people. Not until 1920 did women gain a constitutional right to the franchise. And for a half century thereafter, it remained the prevailing doctrine that government, both federal and state, could withhold from women opportunities accorded to men, so long as any, quote, basis in reason could be conceived for the discrimination. See example Gosart v. Cleary from 1948, rejecting challenge of female tavern owner 
and her daughter to Michigan law denying bartender licenses to females except for wives and daughters of male tavern owners. Court would not, quote, give ear to the contention that, quote, an unchivalrous desire of male bartenders to monopolize the calling, quote, prompted the legislation. In 1971, for the first time in our nation's history, this court ruled in favor of a woman who complained that her state had denied her the equal protection of his laws. Reed v. Reed, holding unconstitutional Idaho code prescription that, among, quote, several persons claiming and equally entitled to administer a decadence estate, males must be preferred to females. Since Reed, the court has repeatedly recognized that neither federal nor state government acts compatibly with the equal protection principle when a law or official policy denies to women simply because they are women full citizenship stature equal opportunity to aspire achieve participate in and contribute to society based on their individual talents and capacities. See example, Kirschberg v. Fenstra, affirming invalidity of Louisiana law that made husband, quote, head and master of property jointly owned with his wife, giving him unilateral right to dispose of such property without his wife's consent or Stanton v. Stanton, invalidating Utah requirement that parents support boys until age 21, girls only until age 18. Without equating gender classifications for all purposes to classifications based on race or national origin, the court in post-read decisions has carefully inspected official action that closes a door or denies opportunity to women or to men. To summarize the court's current directions for cases of official classification based on gender, focusing on the differential treatment or denial of opportunity for which relief is sought, the reviewing court must determine whether the proffered justification is, quote, exceedingly persuasive. The burden of justification is demanding, and it rests entirely on the state. The state must show, quote, at least that the challenged classification serves important governmental objectives, and that the discriminatory means employed are, quote, substantially related to the achievement of those objectives quoting Wengler v. Druggist's Mutuals Insurance Company. The justification must be genuine, not hypothesized or invented post hoc in response to litigation, and it must not rely on overbroad generalizations about the different talents, capacities, or preferences of males and females. See Weinberger v. Weisenfield, 
from 1975, and Califano v. Goldfarb from 1977. The heightened review standard our precedent establishes does not make sex a prescribed classification. Supposed, quote, inherent differences are no longer accepted as a ground for race or national origin classifications. See Loving the Virginia, 1967. Physical differences between men and women, however, are enduring. Quote, the two sexes are not fungible. A community made up exclusively of one sex is different from a community composed of both. End quote. Ballard v. United States from 1946. Quote, inherent differences between men and women we have come to appreciate remain cause for celebration but not for denigration of the members of either sex or for artificial constraints on an individual's opportunity. Sex classifications may be used to compensate women quote, for particular economic disabilities they have suffered end quote. Califano v. Webster, 1977, to promote equal employment opportunity, see California Federal Savings and Loan Assurance, says v. Guerra, 1987, to advance full development of the talent and capacities of our nation's people. But such classifications may not be used as they once were to create or perpetuate the legal, social, and economic inferiority of women. Measuring the record, in this case, against the review standard just described, we conclude that Virginia has shown no, quote, exceedingly persuasive justification, end quote, for excluding all women from the citizen-soldier training afforded by VMI. We therefore affirm the Fourth Circuit's initial judgment, which held that Virginia had violated the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause. Because the remedy proffered by Virginia, the Mary Baldwin v. Will program, does not cure the constitutional violation, i.e. it does not provide equal opportunity, we reverse the Fourth Circuit's final judgment in this case. We've now reached the first confirmation of what the Supreme Court's opinion is. Um, this is only partially about half of the way to the full opinion, but it feels like a good time to stop this episode. We will continue reading the other half of the majority opinion penned by Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the next episode of the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Sleep with Josh podcast. And I hope you've learned something as much as I have. That is, if you're still awake, if you're asleep, then maybe it's snuck into your mind as you sleep. Either way, please follow this podcast for more episodes.
and give us a review because we do want to know what you think of the Sleep with Josh podcast. Thank you and good night.